Stay up on the real culture of Detroit by tuning in to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network weekly. Music, art, business, comedy, and never-before-told stories from the people of Detroit. You're listening to the Cat's Meow Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Catch Me Out. My name is Sharon, and I am here with the amazing, ever so funky, fresh Deidre Essence <laughs> Smith. That could be said about you. You crack me up. I'll have to live up to that. <laughs> funky fresh. Okay. Funky fresh. Hey, we in a good mood today. Today we are going to talk about the election, and you know everything that we went through. And I think that I slept. Better in the last couple of days than I have slept in a lot. Like, I just couldn't stop. I'm telling you, you know, um, I was I was on my way to the pro, pro uh, protest for uh, Trump to concede, right? Mm-hmm. I just done some things prior to in the energy walking into New Center area mm-hmm. was extraordinary. It was calm. Mm-hmm. It was peaceful. And I noticed as I crossed the street... My slow stroll that I have kind of get drivers irritated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I noticed the irritation subsided. Mm-hmm. It felt like New Detroit yeah. respected the stroll yeah. of old Detroit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody was strolling. Everybody was strolling while they was mm-hmm. driving. They was just cruising, you know. So I was on a meeting yesterday um, with uh, Ruth Ellis Center. We had a, a board retreat. And... We were doing our financial report, and in the middle of it, the person that Chris is our financial person, and she said, "Pennsylvania just declared the you know Biden," and so it caught us all off guard. And I mean, needless to say, I'm glad that was toward the last part of the meeting, but it kind of just threw us all off. And you know, we're still trying to be you know conduct business and things, but it was just. You could just see a wave through the screen of like, like everybody was just relieved. And then I think soon after that, uh, Nevada, who I don't know who they had counting votes, but then Nevada uh, also did it. And I just, I don't know who else did it and, you know, whatever, but I stopped. And it was amazing because I know you got out and mm-hmm. drove people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw you said I got donuts. Uh, baby, we just, had some donuts. We stretched, we went to. From east to west, I wasn't even worried. You know, I got I got sideswiped that day. Really? Yeah, I let the sister go ahead on. The police were pulling her over. Damn. And she ended up merging into my car. And um, I just, the police said, what you want to do? I said, let her go. She already looked frazzled. Right. Let her go. Yeah. And still went on about my business. That's what's up. <laughs> That's what's up. So it was a good day. It was a good time. I think that um, everybody feels a bit of relief. And I know me personally, you know, it's it's a thing about trauma. When you're in it, you don't you don't realize you're in it, you know? It's just like you're fighting for survival. And then once it's the episode or the situation or, you know, um the occasion is over, you kind of feel your body relieving itself. And when I heard like, I kind of knew, 
But I also know Trump and his fuckery, you know, so I wasn't thoroughly convinced. And I'm still not totally relaxed because I know him and his fuckery. Mm-hmm. But I will say that once that announcement came, my body felt relaxed. And yesterday, a friend of mine had a little birthday gathering. And I got off my meeting, then I had to make another run. And when I came back, I crashed. I don't even take naps, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I know I want to take a nap, and it's like I lay there to take a nap, like a kid in the preschool class. Mm -hmm. But I just can't. But yesterday, I did. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to make these charcuterie boards and everything, so that was my task. And I was just knocked out, and she, she woke me up. And she said, you okay? And I said, yeah. And I got up and fell back asleep. And then I got up again. I did what I had to do. I was planning on watching Saturday Night Live with with Dave Chappelle. I got to watch that. On demand about to happen as soon as we finish. Mm -hmm. And then 10 o'clock, in the midst of the birthday, I fell asleep again. And, um, you know, like I said, I didn't do anything that I didn't normally do every day. But it was just, I just felt like I needed rest. Mm -hmm. And so I know I called you this morning, which was the rollover, like, oh, God, I forgot. (laughs) And, you know, I called you, Mm -hmm. and I said, we still? You said, yep, you said you was getting ready. So I had to get up, and then I came here. And uh, I just feel like we need a rest. Now, what he's going to do between now and, and inauguration Oh, Lord, you know, because he petty. But um, I hope that it's smooth. I hope that the people that are working with him are going to shy away from him because I don't believe that everybody liked him. I believe people were afraid of him. And so I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen in the next month or month and a half or two months or whatever. But, you know, for me... And I just seen it in a lot of people's faces. It just looked like relief. That's right. You know. That's right. And this relief comes because the representation that we're seeing now, and regardless of your reservations that you have of the president-elect and vice president, and I've had mine, what we see before us right now it's historical, much like Barack Obama's win. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing the intersections of what America is supposed to look like, what mm-hmm. it does look like, but what representation of it is supposed to look like and hasn't looked like for centuries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how appropriate is it that we have a woman Jamaican heritage, Mm -hmm. Indian, African-American, raised with the spirituality and understanding of Hinduism and Christianity, Mm -hmm. attended black churches, inspired and influenced by neighbors. HBCU graduate. HBCU graduate. Member of a Divine Nine award. Member of Divine Nine, a.k.a. a lot of my cousins. (laughs) I know that's showing out. When you look at all these things 
and consider even in India caste systems and the caste systems that we have here that we don't want to admit to having mm-hmm. in a supposed diverse and sovereign nation. Mm-hmm. So you take all these things and you juxtapose them and come down to the truth mm-hmm. that there's oppression, there's oppression of women, and particularly there's oppression of women of color. Mm-hmm. And the oppressed always seem to be the liberators of everybody. The oppressed take a stance and have a sovereign strength over the oppressors in ways that we know to be true because we're here at the bottom of these casts. But now the world can see the power of numbers and not only the power of numbers and representation to lift up an oppressor, mm-hmm. but instead to lift ourselves up, right. gathering numbers for ourselves and have representation of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what this moment is about. And that's what so much backlash behind this moment has been about. Yeah. It's now the minority, quote unquote, quote unquote, <laughs> that has made up the majority of the numbers driven toward change. Mm-hmm are now not only numbers, but representation of power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's too new mm-hmm. for this nation. Oh, absolutely. It's not new to us. We've seen it in households. We've seen it in community gatherings. We've seen it in, in sororities. We've seen it in fraternities. We've seen people of color in lead. We've seen it in churches. Mm-hmm. But now it's not just in those arenas is holding the highest office that you could possibly hold mm-hmm. in this quote unquote sovereign nation. Yep. It is the day of reckoning and we've had a full season of racial reckoning and morale in this country. And to have had to um, done the fight that we've done for a number of years now, Mm-hmm. With the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and every organization prior to NAACP, every everybody, moments like these let you know that it wasn't for naught. Yeah, it all matters. Every walk, every march, every hard conversation, every conflict, every resolution to that conflict, it matters. Because now we can see us reaching a pinnacle. We haven't reached the zenith yet, but we're approaching the pinnacle of what all that fight is mounting to. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame that it's coming in 2020, but it's coming. It's coming. And I'm 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 happy to be alive. It's a good day to be alive. Yeah, it is. We we needed that Mm -hmm. because if it went the other way, I was terrified. You know, like Mm -hmm. I was really, really stressed out about what that meant. And it it, it didn't mean that I was going to fight less or it didn't mean that I wasn't still going to have the same energy that I've always had. Mm -hmm. But for people who needed to see this and know that they matter, this had to happen. Because now I think it's a wake up call, like the light bulb went off, you know, because you hear people all the time, my vote don't matter, my vote don't matter. But you see. And um, I shared something on 
Facebook and I said, you know, it's something about Michigan. We did that or something. And my cousin who's from here, she lives in Atlanta. She said, good job, Detroit. And I said, yeah, all that, you know. Um, and I have friends from all over the country. And, and once Michigan came through, you know, they were just like, Detroit, Detroit. And I'm like, yeah, for the most part, it's the minority cities here. And it just shows you where the power is. And we needed to see that. People, I knew, but people needed to see that. And what we now have to do is make sure that we keep the same energy because they're going to come back bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know who is going to be bold enough and and vocal enough and just outright blatant with what their beliefs are other than Trump. Um, but somebody got to step in for them, and I don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, we have to realize the importance of being vocal. You know, another thing that I was telling everybody we focus so much on the presidential elections mm-hmm. that we don't pay much attention to the other ones, right? You mm-hmm. know, Rashida won. Mm-hmm. We got Dana still in there as our AG. Mm-hmm. We got Gretchen as our as our as our governor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the other places, all of the, mm-hmm. the the women and the men and the black people and the the, the white. So the Meyer, you were, know, our RBG was gone, but we we got to consider her. Exactly, you know. <clears throat> It is important to pay attention to all elections, local, mm-hmm. statewide, and national. Because if it wasn't for those people, Stacey Abrams, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for those people fighting for those positions that were very well deserved, mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for people like Dana, our AG, basically saying, kiss my ass, y'all ain't getting in here, goddamn it, we counting these votes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And so... We all in this thing together. You know, it's not just the president. It's it's all levels. Local. We need to pay attention to our local politics and the things that are going on and, and what makes our city good and what do we want to see for our city. Because, you know, we were born and raised here. This is That's our right. city. Come on, You man. know, you got a lot of transplant. This is our city. Okay. Now. And and it's a lot of pressure to try to change the culture of our city. Yeah. Um, From the businesses. Um, You know, I'm an avid fan of the eastern I, i'm you know mm-hmm. that's my thing mm-hmm. and um i'm sorry i don't know who's trying to keep calling me um the way that it's changed where i simple stuff where mm-hmm. i used to buy my fish at it ain't, right. it ain't there no more that's right you know what i'm saying broke then, your heart did it broke mine because i don't know where else to go get fresh fish of, of like that where i know i've been going there since i was a child mm-hmm. when my grandmother took me there you know, it's it's trying to change the culture of the city, and I'm okay with change, but I'm not okay with displacement, mm-hmm. and I'm not okay with erasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, me and you, this is our thing, and and there are people that I know that have corporate jobs and all of these other types of jobs. The activist thing is not really their thing, and I'm not saying drop what you're doing and just be a total activist, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is pay attention. And I think COVID showed us that we are more alike than a not. Mm-hmm. Um, people with millions of dollars had <laughs> to sit in the house like people with no dollars. That's right. You know, so it's just a couple of commas that may change who we are, but we're all the same. Mm-hmm. And I think it really made us pay attention to each other. Mm-hmm. I have to be respectful of my space because I can hurt somebody. We wasn't thinking like that before. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and and I just think this is a great time. And unfortunately, we had to go through what we went through to get here. But I see light at the end of the tunnel. And I hope that this same energy just carries on. Absolutely. I think uh, I love what you said as far as I have to be mindful of my space and others because I can hurt somebody. The consideration behind that. Most folk have stayed out of the way because they don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. That's self-preservation and and a lot of times selfishness, right? Mm -hmm. But when you consider somebody else, that's what this nation is headed toward. The consideration of the multitude, not a selective few. Mm -hmm. That's what Detroit has always wanted to hold on to. The consideration of everybody, not a selective few. Mm-hmm. Everybody is welcomed. But it is not new territory. It's not a blank canvas. It isn't something to be pioneered. I say it all the time. You don't just come to Michigan and say, oh, there's some Detroit on my shoe. We're in the work. <laughs> the people, the spirit has always been here. We have sustained when everybody counted us out mm-hmm. through bankruptcy, through all the jokes about being from Detroit and how tragic. All the stigma surrounding us. Mm-hmm. We've stuck it out and we've always seen it as beautiful as a new Detroiter would see it now. Prior to urban renewal. Prior to extended patios and restaurants. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful to us, still is, and always will be. And it's beautiful because we've always had that spirit of consideration here in Detroit. Mm -hmm. That's how we've sustained. Right. When we walk up the street in Detroit and we got some hard brothers and sisters, I'm one of them. If I don't, if I'm not, if I don't have this big goofy smile on my face, my resting bitch face (laughs) is not very approachable. Although I'm welcoming. Mm -hmm. It's a far contrast. But when I'm smiling big and I'm walking up the street and I'm going through Easter Market and I say, hey, how are you? And I, I, I get the native Detroiter that says, hey, how are you? Right back. Or what up, though? I know that spirit is in them. But sometimes now when I'm walking through Easter Market and I don't connect with that spirit of consideration, I get bumped more often than not nowadays. Mm-hmm. I say, hey, how are you? And I don't get it returned nowadays like I used to when I was a little girl with my grandfather mm-hmm. going to the fish market. Now as a grown woman, it's where is the fish market and where is the, hey, how are you back? Mm-hmm. Where is that smile back? And it's gone because a lot of the people that don't hold that same spirit that a native Detroiter will hold, that has been through the same struggles that a native Detroiter has been through. They can't relate to it's a good day to be alive here in the city of Detroit because for a very long time, the rest of the world and parts of our nation have told us it's not good to be in Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's nothing in Detroit. We've even said it to ourselves sometimes. Ain't nothing here for me. I'm about to move out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's cool. See the world. But recognize the rest of the world has always kept their eyes on us. We are innovators. We are game changers. We shift culture. We shift votes. 
Mm-hmm. We, got we hold purpose, mm-hmm. passion, compassion, and power. And that is in one of the blackest cities ever yep. in America. One of the hardest hit cities in America financially, every, everything. But somehow the spirit of Detroit, and I'm just not talking about the the Prometheus type symbol in front of uh, the uh, municipal center. Mm-hmm. But the people spirit is what has sustained not only the city, but the nation. The nation. I thank the artists and the activists. I call myself an artivist because I can't dedicate my full time mm-hmm. to what activism looks like to like I, I, I know some show enough activists activist i'm an artist my my music and art galvanizes and gets folks together and it it gets me into places where i can talk about what's on the minds and hearts of everyday detroiters like me Mm -hmm. but in the city when we think about our influence through the arts Mm -hmm. through activism i think about Grace Lee Boggs and James Lee Boggs. I think about Tawana Honeycomb Petty. I think about uh, Barry Gordy when he started here. All of that propelled nations, mm-hmm. not only here, but abroad. That's what Detroit is about. That's what this moment is about. That's what everybody felt. That's why everybody's saying, thank you, Detroit. That's why everybody's saying Detroit saved the world. Because mm-hmm. once again, I feel like I, I know I'm biased. But I feel like we did. Yeah. On my Detroit everything, straight up. Yeah. Straight up. I mean, and and you know, so I was teasing some folks, you know, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, y'all, y'all got half of Detroit there too, so we're gonna take gonna take credit for that too. <laughs> you know, um, it's just a tenacity that we have, and you know, I moved away to Kansas City for a couple years, and I I was miserable to the point my my doctor was like, you need to go home, because I was depressed. And I was one of those people, like you said, like, ain't nothing in Detroit, I got to go. And when I left, I missed it. I missed it. I missed the, 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 the grind. I missed the loyalty. I missed the protection. It's a, it's a, I don't know how to explain. And you know, it's people and they're like, I don't want to come to Detroit, I don't want to come. And then when they come, they like, I can't wait to come back. Like. You know, I have one of one of my one of my bros is, is coming here next weekend, and you know, she was just like, "What should what what can I do?" I said, well, "What you want to do?" You know, and I, this is this is one of the first times. Now it's happening more frequently, but one of the first times that I've heard somebody say, "I'm coming to vacation in Detroit." Wait, not even just in the summertime. It's November. I'm coming to vacation in Detroit, and I'm like, "Damn, that's what's up." You know, and we ain't never sweat it, you know. Y'all, y'all stay where y'all at, you know. We ain't got to worry about traffic and, you know, more more good, you know, ethnic food for us and more diversity for us and more love for us and more chill for us. And it's just like, what do you want to do? Because it's so much that the city has to offer. You tell me what you want to do. I'll point you in the right direction, but I can promise you, you're not going to get everything in a few visits. Because... Aside from the beautiful architecture that we have, and if you drive through the neighborhoods, the houses and the museums and the 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 murals 
and the Eastern Market and just all of these things and the original skyscrapers and all of these things, you got to get the people, man, because the people is what set it off. It ain't nothing to go on the east side and sit in the yard. You know what I'm saying? And just do it. Whatever it is, y'all just do it. And it's cool. I have left black tie events and went in the hood. Come on now. And had maybe more fun. Absolutely, you did. Detroit teaches, has taught me about loyalty and how to code switch good. Mm-hmm. You know, how to maneuver through spaces. Mm-hmm. Who to trust. Mm-hmm. Who to not trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so much. So just coming to see our city, and this is what people have to realize. You can see the buildings. Then you should learn the stories of those buildings. But to really get the culture of the city, you got to talk to the people. <laughs> man, you got to talk to the people, man. We so smooth with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh-huh. I, I told my friend, I said, your clothes. I said, you know, Detroit like to get a little flashy sometimes. I said, but we really on chill mode right now. So just do you and just soak it all up. Really soak it all up. Forget the fancy, cute restaurants. That's cool. And, and you know, I'm down with some. If you want some really good Italian, I'm going to send you to Mario's. Mm-hmm. If you want some Thai food, I'm going to send you to Salah Thai. Okay, you know? that's my spot. You know. If I you... closed a lot of good deals up in Salah Thai. Uh, Salah Thai, was... me too. Okay. Salah Thai is where the idea for my podcast came I mean, uh-huh. uh, my, my documentary came from. Uh-huh. Over a meal with some good Thai food and some drinks. That's right. If you want some good Middle Eastern food, I'm going to send you over to La Shisha over in Dearborn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so much. So I'm not opposed to the nicer restaurants. But to get the city, you want something in the middle of the night, you got to call it in at Coney in the hood. Not the okay. suburb. The in east the side, hood. Hollywood, Coney Island for me. Yeah. Okay. I but, got some good West Side ones too. But call it in. <laughs> call it in. And then go get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's just so much. And um, there are moments where I can talk shit about my city because it's mine and because I put in sweat, blood, and tears in this mm-hmm. motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So you damn right I can say what the mm-hmm. fuck I... But you ain't saying shit. Mm-hmm. But just as hard as I am on my city, I will lift that motherfucker up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and it shows. And that's where I'm saying... I'm really turning my attention to being open to living somewhere else Mm -hmm. because you and me both, along with other Mm -hmm. activists and people that we know, we put in for the city. Yes. And you're starting to see the results. And and it's it's so many conversations that I had just this past week. I was on vacation from work. Yeah. But from my job to everything else that I'm involved in that has to do with the city, from working with the police department for the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. to the Ruth Ellis Center mm-hmm. and and I mean I don't know sis I I, yeah. I this is I got roots here. Yeah, no you know and I think you said it perfectly. I love the fact that um you were told while living in Kansas get on back home. Mhm. 
it's a lot to be said about that. It wasn't just get back to Detroit. It was get home, mm-hmm. right? I said it once. I'll say it again. Until the day that I die, we are surrounded by all this fresh water, large bodies of fresh water here in Michigan. And the Detroit River strong current is why we have less bacteria than a lot of surrounding areas because it's always flushing, always move, moving, seldom stagnant, and it represents the people. Always moving, never stagnant. That's how we sustain ourselves. And the thing that you talked about in regards to protection, I would say in every interview, they would interview me as an artist, and they would say, well, Deidre, how do you feel about, you know, there's not major record labels here anymore, Motown left, and, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and they would expect me to be heard about it or upset about it. And I said, well... I used to look at things like the rest of the world was keeping Detroit boxed out of industry as far as music is concerned. But now as a grown woman, I see that we're protected. It's almost like we're the snow globe. And because we don't have industry here, per se, everybody has become a jack of all trades. We've made a way. All of us know a little bit about the legal side, the artist side, the activism side, all these different things that keep industry afloat. That means industry. We lost that, but we found it in ourselves. And so we are very protected. We are that snow globe that the rest of the world has to peer into and can't really penetrate. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And I feel I feel protected, too. Um when I go visit other places in all their beauty, it is nothing like for me. Coming up 75 and seeing the skyline, knowing I'm headed home. Or coming into DTW, seeing that skyline, mm-hmm. knowing I'm headed home. Or hitting that turn on 94 and grass shit that make you lean. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Since I was a little girl, morning. you lean coming yep. coming from Meyer late at night with your mom. You know, you she hit that too. You sleep in the car, but you know you almost home because you lean mm-hmm. a certain way, hitting ninety four and graduate ramp. Mm-hmm. That's Detroit. That's that protection that you spoke about. And home can be a lot of places. It could be a lot of places, but those roots, those roots, that's where your nourishment comes from. And that's what Detroit has done. That's why people that are imported here, they take root quick, too. It's good soil. Mm-hmm. It's good soil. It's nowhere else where you have such a vast amount of land to farm and grow good produce. The land is not polluted. Like in a lot of other big cities, we we, we kind of um, put stops to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just so much here as far as resources and... I think Detroit just wants the rest of the world to know how good life can be. You can have a big city with a country feel. You can have the hustle and bustle all day and have calm at night. Mm -hmm. Detroit wants the rest of the nation to feel that. (laughs) Detroit wants the rest of the nation to feel what Detroit has been blessed to feel for so many years. It's grind, rest, peace. Grind, rest, peace. Yep. That's what we have here. Mm-hmm. So hopefully now with who we have in office with Biden and Harris, 
we can see and feel grind, <laughs> rest, mm-hmm. peace. And that's why you were able to take that nap. Because you had grind, you got rest, mm-hmm. and on this day we have peace. Yeah. For a moment, at least. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that's Detroit. And that's what um this nation is reflecting right now, too. It's, ha- it's having a little bit of spirit of Detroit in it. Yep. So... We say all that to say that we're proud Detroiters and and good job to everybody that came out. Good job to everybody who protested. Good job to everybody who was vocal. Yes. Good job to everybody who who made this happen. You know, um, and I'm a proud Detroiter today. Yes. I am a proud Detroiter. And I am proud of my city. And I know I give us a lot of slack, but that's only because I love us. And I just want us to, I know we the best, and I want us to keep being the best. Mm -hmm. And so, as we near the end of this podcast, congratulations to the new President Biden and Vice President Harris and all of the Congress people that have that have been reelected and reelected and newly elected. Shouts out to the LGBTQ community because we're showing up in places that we've never shown up in before. Thank you to our true allies. Yes. Thank you to true allies. True allies. People who believed us, loved us, and fought with us. Whose votes matched their march. Yeah. Who actions match their words. Huh? You know? I mean, <laughs> it's easy to say, but because, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to go a step further with the allies, and you know, and I was raised not to trust white people. I'm going to just tell you, my mama, she, nah, she was like, nah, you don't do that. You know, so my mother was very impactful, you know, with me. So it it, it, it takes a lot of untraining for me to do. But I appreciate it now. Before it was stressful. I appreciate it now because it's taught me to be cautious. Mm -hmm. Cautious about what I do, how I move, and who I do it with. Mm -hmm. But I have had conversations with some of my Caucasian friends. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell them thank you. Because they have gone through a lot with their families Mm -hmm. in support of like Black Black Lives Movement, in support of... LGBTQ things mm-hmm. in support of a lot of things where they now have issues with their own families. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, I'm I'm stuck in the fight of the, the black woman, the, the LGBT. I'm stuck in that. But I had to stop and, and think about what that does to them. And to be honest, without their support in a lot of in a lot of arenas, we wouldn't be moving forward. And so I want to offer thank you to allies. Um, And I see you too. And um, I know that it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of stress, a lot of trauma because they're experiencing loss too. Because you have to challenge your mother and your father who have had these views their whole life and tried to raise you that way. And now there's just discomfort and arguing, and maybe not conversations at all. 
And I think sometimes we don't think about that too. I think um I think about that. I was I was raised to um I had a very multicultural background. My mother had friends, good friends of different races, mm-hmm. backgrounds, mm-hmm. Asian, white, mm-hmm. multiracial. She always made me aware of my power mm-hmm. as a black girl and then black woman. Mm-hmm. Our intersections were to be considered. Our inner conflicts were to be considered because even our allies, as precious as they are, they cannot choose to align with us and have the privilege to do so. It's tragic when black folk have to still align with white. It is. With other in order to get the job done. Mm Mm-hmm. So while I do appreciate our allies in this melting pot of help that we have, first and foremost, the black women mm-hmm. that have been able to get it done but, and have gotten it done mm-hmm. but have not been recognized unless they were alongside mm-hmm. of white. Mm-hmm. I commend those allies that are in households that say think otherwise, and they say, no, I choose to think this way. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge the luxury Mm -hmm. of being able to do that. Mm -hmm. More more so, I acknowledge our lack of having that luxury to say, I guess I'll choose this today. I guess I'll choose that tomorrow. We have always had to fight We have always had to fight Mm -hmm. even our allies sometimes because allyship stops at a certain point. True allyship. True allyship can go the distance, but black women, Mm -hmm. we got a longer ride to go. Absolutely. Black men have a longer ride to go than white men. We have allyship, which is good, which is precious, which I'm thankful for. But our fight isn't over because while they're going against parents and brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. that might oppose their views on liberation for all, We are going against the world. Absolutely. We step out into the world black. Mm -hmm. We step out into the world having dialogue with our mothers and fathers that say, are you going to be okay today? Mm -hmm. Look your best. Mm -hmm. Be sure to call me if the police pull you over. Try to keep me on the phone. Be sure to let me know if that instructor at school is still bothering you. Mm -hmm. Although you have A's. Right. Our allies will never have those conversations. They don't. And that's why you and I are in platforms, are in platforms to be able to have these discussions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing, and the reason that I said that was because my mother kept me closed off. Mm. 
And if I didn't go in spaces and have those conversations with allies who, before I even had the conversations, might not have been allies. If I would have just stayed in my black circle and not had conversations with other circles, things might not have changed. You know, for for you. Period. If 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 black people just talk to black people, and and trust me, I know because we both black women, so we right there. You know, I, I say all the time, I'm masculine presenting, and I've gotten pulled over by the police and mistaken for a man, and that's a whole different type of experience for me. You know, where my friends are having conversations with their sons about being pulled over. They also have to have a conversation with me about what to do and how to contact them if I get pulled over and what could happen because of presentation. You know what I'm saying? So all of these intersectionalities are important. They 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 are they're all ooh, sometimes dangerous. Mm. You know, but I had to go against what I was taught. Mm. Because if I didn't go into unfamiliar spaces and share my experiences, they wouldn't get it because unfortunately people don't understand or care about things sometimes unless it directly affects them. And that's what I mean. And that's messed up. And that's what I mean with, with, with allyship. It has to be tested. Can it go to distance? Because until it affects you, were you an ally before this issue? Right. Before it hit home yeah. before you had the tough dialogues within the house. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that that might've been your catalyst mm-hmm. for allyship. But even if there were no tensions at home, even if the scope of your fight didn't align with mine, mm-hmm. would you still consider my fight? Mm-hmm. Now, would I- you still consider? Yeah. And so I, I say all that to say, and I've I've come up in multicultural, multiracial backgrounds. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't. Oh, white bad, white no. Yeah. I, I think it's that's horrible. very That's it's very horrible. horrible. It's more so. Are you cool? Because mm-hmm. I've been scared by black women. <laughs> are you cool? Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I have um, great white friends that stand behind me like nobody else. Mark Katz is my my guy. That's my dude. You yeah. understand me? Mm-hmm. I tell him every time, be careful, brother, because you standing on the side of history they don't like. Yeah. Even though you have the, the complexion for the protection, brother, you line up with me, it's going to yeah. be some problems. Once you open your mouth, it's a Once, Okay. So, but I, I say all that to say the difference between me forever highlighting black women and their contributions is because even in all their virtue. Oh yeah, they're still a trip. They get they get ignored for their contributions unless they align mm-hmm. with white allyship. Mm-hmm. It's so many movements and so many women that I know that don't have the same platform that somebody that's aligned themselves with a white ally mm-hmm. could get to. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that all the time. All the you. time. Me and you all talk the about time. that. Me and you. And we talked about tokenism before. And I say, and I say, I know. Like mm-hmm. all of the things that you say, I think that I have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that I have a different perspective is because just I'm I'm black and I'm also a lesbian. And some of the 
biggest enemies for me are black men. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I think because of my experiences, I just see things a bit differently. And I Mm. recognize, but I use all of the spaces that I'm used, quote unquote, being used in, I use them to get things out that I need to get out. It's not a pretty picture. It's not comfortable. Ideally, I would just love to just be Sharon mm-hmm. with all of my differences and intersectionalities and all of that and just be the person that I am. And unfortunately, from black people and from white people for different reasons or Arab people, you know, let's not leave mm-hmm. that out. It's not a black and white thing. Mm-hmm. It's a thing across the board where brown people... Black people have issues, mm-hmm. you know, but I think because of all of the things that I've been through just in totality, everything, I understand the importance of conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't like the way things are. Mm-hmm. I get that things are the way they are. And I have two options. Mm-hmm. I can either be mad about the shit or try to do something to change the shit. And I just try to do something to change the shit, you know. I think, yeah, I think I think we do too. I think where we differ as far as utilizing tokenism. Mm-hmm. I said it before, I'll say it again. Tokenism, much like fake allyship, will only get you so far. Mm-hmm. It serves a purpose. Let's put her put her on the, the poster. Let's put her on a pamphlet. Mm-hmm. But let's make sure she doesn't have a seat at the table still. Yeah, let's use this to meet a quota, but limit funding. Let's use this mm-hmm. to get funding, mm-hmm. but let's sprinkle a little bit over here, but it still goes to most of us. I don't, I don't agree with tokenism, the fake allyship, and any of that. Mm-hmm. What I do is, and this is how I change it, I don't sit around and I don't want to be used as just a token. Mm-hmm. I'll do what I do. And when you see me doing what I'm doing, that's making a change. Exactly. You got to align with me. Exactly. That's how I get most of my allyship. It's not because somebody seeks me at a table and says, you're going to be a part of this and you're going to be part of it. No, you're going it's to because I do. Out. Yeah, I do what I do. Yeah. And then allyship comes to me and says, okay, yeah, I can align with that. Not I can utilize her for it. But I can align with what she's doing because I can't convince her to do otherwise. I think that you have total control over what happens with you. You can put me in a room for whatever your purpose is, but I know what the fuck I'm going to do while I'm in that room. And Mm -hmm. you can stay stuck in what your purpose is for me, but I know what my overall purpose Mm -hmm. is. So put me in the room Mm -hmm. because it looks good for you. Mm -hmm. But I can promise you I'm going to show up and show the fuck out. And you're going to keep holding that seat, but I'm going to go on to something else. So that's what I do. I realize Mm -hmm. that I'm placed in places sometimes for show. I get Mm -hmm. that. I don't like it, but it is what it is. But because you did that, I know what my agenda is and how I'm trying to help push and further causes that I'm a part of. So I'm going to use your space to get me to somewhere else that I need to be. Now, if you stay stuck there because you felt like you was being cute, that's on you. But I promise you that I'm going to do what I need to do while I have this seat to make as much change as I can. Now that's and where we can that's agree. Where it that's where we can agree. Now, now that sounds a little more like yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, now that's, that, now that's that description, where we, move. Yeah. we can do that. Now this yeah. is a different turn. Like yeah. you putting it like that. Yeah, that's what I it like is. that. That's because what it is. One thing I cannot be, and there's there's a there's a discussion going on now 
with should Aunt Jemima be removed from the box? And people are saying, well, that was our first black woman representation. That was (laughs) black women were paid. The, The actual model for that wasn't really paid, paid very little. And do we risk getting our purse now, which Angel Mama could have gotten, mm-hmm. but then you get the typecasting or ostracizing for women that fit that archetype. Mm-hmm. All because we're praising that one-time purse of tokenism. Mm-hmm. It has a stop. Mm-hmm. My stop is five stops further than that. Mm-hmm. But because it's on the box... Now they're reluctant to put it on the TV. Mm-hmm. You got the box. Because it's on the box, now they're reluctant to put it on the silver screen right. because you got a box. Right. You feel me? Now it's reluctant to get put on apparel because you got a box. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with tokenism. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell. It, it, it strikes and gets you momentarily a purse and some satisfaction and enough to shut you the hell up. But further down the line, they're going to say, didn't we give you Barack Obama? Oh, yeah. Didn't we give you Kamala Harris? It's always a didn't we. It's always a haven't you had. That's what tokenism does. Mm -hmm. And you have to to True representation is not solely in the moment. True representation lasts for dynasties. Mm -hmm. We need our dynasties back, and simply being tokens will not get us our dynasties that we are working toward. Tokenism will only get you on the box. I want to be on everything that I deserve to be on in my full representation. Absolutely. We cannot settle for tokenism. You should. We cannot even allow ourselves to be called that. We have got to go further than that, Sharon. I mean that. You have got to go further than just, I'm going to let them put me in a space. I will be a token as long as I can. That's not what I'm saying. No. When you say, I'm going to occupy the space, and the first first was on the Zoom, right? I'm going to occupy the space. Mm -hmm. We're all, you said, we're all tokens Mm -hmm. in some way. I said, well, I don't agree agree with that. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. In somebody's we can eyes, all be in somebody's eyes. You are a token. We you, can all you, be. We can all be a representation in someone's eyes. But tokenism. Do you, what's the difference between representation and tokenism? Uh, this is what I'm saying. Whatever the difference is between me and you, it is not going to be the same for another person. What's, the, di- what what's the difference listen, between tokenism listen, and listen, representation, listen, though? Listen, what I'm saying is. To some people, Barack Obama was a great president, moved mountains, did a whole lot of things, right? To some people, he's still a token. I can't control what everybody may think. I can control what I can do. And I don't give a shit what you want to call me, but I can control what I do. Now, what I'm saying is I understand. Do I like it? Do I agree with it? Absolutely not. But that's what some people choose to do. That's how some people feel. When you- what I do with whatever space I occupy, and let's be clear, I ain't never in a space I don't want to be in. Any, any, any place I choose to be is because I choose to be there. Now, how I am viewed by everybody is not my problem. What I do in that space 
And what I advocate for in that space and what I use my platform for is all my control. I don't argue about the shit no more. When you say tokenism is okay. No, I did not. We're token. No, when you say on the Zoom, mm-hmm. the Zoom, we're all tokens. In somebody's what, eyes. What, what is the distinction between tokenism and representation is what I'm asking. Sometimes the person. Sometimes the person. Sometimes the person. Now, how I, view, okay. how I view myself and how other people view me, I ain't got nothing to do with that. And okay, I see, think that's, that's why I, I think... on worrying so much about other people's views of things. No, that's what tokenism does. It puts you in the view of somebody else's perception of you. Representation. So, representation. Full representation trumps tokenism. That's all I'm telling you. Okay. Full representation trumps I, I tokenism. I understand that. I understand so, what you're saying. So we can't allow ourselves to be just cool with not saying you say you're just cool. To just be cool with tokenism. And I'm just going to get on there and do what I want to do. Because when you're a token... What you want to do is not considered. You're just a wheel, knowing that you're an engine. They're using you as a wheel to get to where they need to be in their own agenda. When you recognize yourself as the engine, a representation, you get to where you want to go mm-hmm. in the way that you want to. Absolutely. Regardless of if they add you to the table or not. Absolutely. Tokenism says, sit me at the table and I'm just cool with that. So we have to be careful with our wording. Tokenism versus representation. Representation will always trump that. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. And all I'm saying is there's still going to be spaces with your mindset, the way that you feel and the way that you go in rooms where somebody is still going to look at you as a token. They're going to look at that, but guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to say I'm cool with that and I'm not going to say we're tokens. That's fine. I'm going to say they see that's what they Me see. as a token. They now, can see that. What you do in that room, when you burn that motherfucker up, that's all Deidre. And that's what I say. I'm focused on what I do. There are people, it doesn't matter what I do. I can create the, can- the cure for cancer. And they still going to look at it some kind of, I don't give a fuck about them. It's what I do in that space. And if they need to use words, because it's all about individuals. If they need to use those words to make themselves feel good, that's fine. At the end of the day, I'm a motherfucker. I'm not a token. I'm a bad that, bitch it. to have on your team. That's it. That's but all I, I want you but, to say. But, but, that's, but listen, that's it. But what I don't do. That's it. Listen, but what I don't do is had a back and forth because motherfuckers like that is irrelevant and they're stuck. But if that makes you feel good, great for you. But that's I'm, it. What I'm Sharon. over here doing is something else and I don't even that's engage it. in the That's it. That's a contrast from what you originally presented. I got you. I said it. I love it. You're not, and I'm going to tell you that, and just like I told no, you before, no, I'm going to tell, tell everybody, you're not a ter- token, and tokenism is not cool, no matter in what facet that people operate, it's, it's not. I've never the mission myself, is cool. I've never looked at myself as a token. I Thank look at you. myself as a, but I do. But what, what I'm saying is, some people do, and fuck them. They and do, them but it. what we won't do is accept that. We won't accept that title. I won't view us as that title. Now, what they view, that's cool. Yeah. But represent, I am representation. Absolutely. Not tokenism. Okay. Never. Right. Listen. So before we close out, you have some facts. You want to do those? I would like place. to do those. Let me bring them back up. Do the facts. I'm just glad to hear you say that you are not a token. I'm not. I know that I'm not. But some people think that I am, and that's on them. 
And that's on them. It I, is. Listen, it is. It's on them. As long as you don't adopt it. I wasn't put here to please everybody. I know what my purpose is. And it took a very long time to get there. It took a very long time to get there. What was the undoing? What was the undoing of you dismantling that and coming to this right now today? Because I'm glad that's this. A lot of what my initial problems were were my mother and self-esteem. Mm -hmm. I'm the same person that I've always been, but I have a different fire inside of me because the main person that's supposed to be pouring gasoline on my shit ain't pouring water on it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And this is why we have to also understand how families and our loved ones and our friends play into shaping who we are. You know what I'm saying? To be honest with you, it wasn't white people in my inner circle. That's right. That's that right. That was that was Who tearing it? me down. It was That's my right. it was my mother. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And once I pulled away from that and I started not caring so much about what people because once I stopped caring what she had to say, hell, everybody else was fucking easy. You know what I'm saying? So once I started doing that. And people were receptive to it. And people talked about how conversations we had made them feel. And that that kind of started to validate things. Like, you have a lot to say. You know what I'm saying? I know that I go to bed every night and I've helped somebody. And that is huge to me. You know, that's where my power comes from being able to help people. Because I understand what it's like to be in distress and to be alone and to be torn down. And when you can help people up out of that, you powerful as shit. Not because, you know, you want accolades or nothing, but it just feels good to, mm-hmm. to see people transform into who they're supposed to be based off of maybe just a conversation that you've had or you contributed to something or hell, sometimes even telling somebody have a good day or I love you. That's right. Can change a person's That's life. Right. That's important. So while people focus on evil, negative shit, I don't have time because I see what good shit can do. Absolutely. I think what our mothers tell us is crucial to the women we become. Absolutely. It's crucial to our relationships. It lets you, absolutely. And one thing that I would like every listener to know is, regardless of what you've been told, be mindful of what we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Train yourself up. Mm-hmm. Parents can do what they can do, but mm-hmm. train yourself up. So then when accolades come, wherever they may come, mm-hmm. you don't put stock into that people, mm-hmm. that person, mm-hmm. that thing, mm-hmm. because you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, whether that person, that people, that thing, praises you or not you know what you are mm-hmm. who you are yeah. and what you intend to be every day it's all internal and at the end of the day we know god don't make no mistakes absolutely we are all here for a reason it's just trying to figure out what the hell the reason is and then just trying to do your part you absolutely know, if i die today i know that i genuinely give a shit about people mm-hmm. and that i genuinely love people and i really just want everybody to be okay Mm-hmm. And that's the shit that I focus on. What can I do to bring some type of joy to somebody like people have brought to me? Mm-hmm. Because that helped me. 
and that helped me develop into who I am. And it's still helping me develop, you know, because we always going to be growing. Mm-hmm. We ain't never going to stop growing. Mm-hmm. And and those are the things that feed and fuel me. You know what I'm saying? The goodness in people. I just refuse to sit around and have bullshitting ass, negative ass conversations with mm-hmm. folks and, and engage with people who are just stuck in stupidity and mm-hmm. pettiness and mm-hmm. misery and hate and mm-hmm. evil. And we've experienced so much of that over mm-hmm. these last couple years. I don't have time. That's why I can never, and we've had these conversations, we're going to have these conversations in spaces because we're black women. Mm-hmm. We've been at the crux of hate, pettiness mm-hmm. amongst each other and other races. I'm going to always uplift, put first, black women. Absolutely. Black women of America in mm-hmm. particular. Mm-hmm. We have had to be the butt of the joke, the heroes, the ugly, the beautiful, the everything. We've had to be every contradiction, every view, everything but ourselves from in home to outside of it. Mm-hmm. And now we've occupied one of the biggest houses you can occupy. You know what I you know what I'm seeing and what I hope continues and what I hope gets stronger is the support of each other. I think it's it's there. It depends on what type of and this is this is any race. What type of people you surround yourself with, who you allow in your spaces. If they aren't progressive, if they don't consider that thing about consideration again. Mm-hmm. First of all, in order to be a close friend of mine, mm-hmm. you have to consider me and my life in every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You have to want me well mm-hmm. in every aspect of it. You cannot wish me well in certain aspects and then not give a damn in another. Right. That's just the nature of it. Right. That's what black women have got to do for ourselves first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And not even worry about if somebody else wants that. But when allyship comes into play, we have to worry about that. Yeah. What is your allyship here for? Mm-hmm. Are you considering me as a whole? Or are you considering my work at the disposal of my person? Are you considering my numbers at the disposal of my person? Mm-hmm. When black women come together and consider each other in every capacity, mm-hmm. it's going to work. When, ally- when we allow allies into our spaces... To help aid in our fight, we they have got to consider all of us. Yeah, in every capacity, and we still need to be careful about what spaces we let allies in. Too, I'm not all 100 allies, but we'll, absolutely. You know, but but I do know there are some. But there are some in-house things <laughs> that we definitely need to clear up. And for me, when outside of work, it is easy to surround myself with people because that's comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. But I also know that there's a lot of us that needs to learn how to do that and accept it and give it back. And Mm -hmm. that's what worries me because there are still some of us get too good. They want to we want to tear each other down and we got to We got to we got to work on that. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we are at a place where we can try to work on that. You know, even with masculine presenting people and people know I advocate for us all the time. We got a lot of work to do. We got to learn how to love on ourselves. Yeah. And I mean, even going to the doctor, making sure we okay type yeah. of love on ourselves. You know what I'm saying? It's just so much that we have to do. But I think and I feel that we are just at a point in the space 
that that's possible and we have room to do it. And I just, I just want all of us to be okay. And let me be clear. I give a shout out to the allies because I do. Because shit, let's be let's be real. Some shit is uncomfortable. Yeah. But I know who my family is, and and even though in some spaces where it's supposed to be all black women, and I start seeing white faces show up, I don't go no more because I'm like, this is not for you. <laughs> no real shit. No. You know, let's let's be clear. I'm very motherfucking open minded about shit, but I ain't crazy. You know me. You know what I'm saying? I give a shout out to somebody who expresses or who who constantly feels discomfort to make me and my life a little bit easy. I'm gonna give you a shout out, but in in the house here, y'all need to come in. We don't need no company right now. We got some shit we working on up in this house. You know, let's be clear about that. And that's where I'm talking to sisters. And I'm not just talking about the cute feminist sisters in the boardrooms. I'm talking about the sisters in the hood. I'm talking about the sisters in the timbos that Come might on. be called bros. I'm talking about all of us Come because on. there's some spaces I go into. Black people sometimes get on my fucking nerves. Yeah. Come on. When I'm dealing with older black people that's turning their nose up at me because of how I look. Fuck that. I'm still a black woman. I've had a child. I got a whole lot of, you know, cars to let me belong to this club in addition to I'm just a black woman and love me for yeah, that. There. We have a lot of work yes. to do across the board. I really hope and and I'm hoping that we are at a space where we can have those conversations because after we work on each other, black women still carrying the plight of everybody down we got to work on the brothers too. You know where that comes from <laughs> where we work on that is Tony Morrison always puts the best I miss removing her. yeah, removing the white gaze. Yeah. A lot of us become detrimental to us because we have our eyes on what they got. Mhm. We have our mind on what they looking at and how they looking at us. That's what I mean when I say they are looking at us, Absolutely. but we change culture. We hold the power. Nothing, hap- nothing captures your attention unless it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Nothing captures your attention unless it's something about it that you feel like you can gain from. Mm-hmm. So while we're worried about the outside gaze of white, white gaze has a fascination with other. Even outside of oppression, mm-hmm. it's what are they doing? How do they do it so cool? Mm-hmm. How can we do it as cool? Mm-hmm. That's not hyperbole. That's real shit. Like this, this is why I will always consider us in ways that we have never been considered before. Yeah, both within our own circles and outside of it. Mm-hmm. Because everybody else has their eyes on black women, masculine presenting, mm-hmm. tomboy, mm-hmm. feminine presenting, whatever, whatever you want to call yourself. We sweet like Until that. we all come together, all of us, and don't mind that gaze, mm-hmm. we're going to have these inner conflicts because we're always going to be worried about, well, what do they say about this? What do they think about it? I had an interview one time. Yeah. And um, we were talking. God, I don't remember exactly what the interview was about. But um, it was something about white women in black spaces. Mm. And I said, y'all, it was a white woman doing the interview. And I said, y'all are the only people who feel like y'all need to be everywhere. When it is a black space, Mm. 
Uh-huh. And I have some examples, but I'm not going to go there today. Yeah, yeah. Y'all do y'all best to infiltrate that because you feel like you need to be in there. Like we saying something. And it don't have nothing to do with you. I said, you don't see black people knocking down walls to try to get in spaces as for y'all. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't see black people trying to get in y'all meetings. and We don't mm-hmm. care because we have our own things going on. But y'all mm-hmm. always got to be in the room, even mm-hmm. when it has nothing we can make it the most Afrocentric black damn title, and you still feel like you need to be there. Why? I said y'all mm-hmm. privilege is out of control. Mm-hmm. Y'all privilege is out of control. Check that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have to recognize it, accept it, and then correct it. Mm-hmm. That privilege is out of control. And it's funny. Well, not funny. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. For some people that I know who are allies who have gotten to that point, maybe recently, mm. and I don't want to say funny because it's not funny at all, but it's 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 crazy. The teardown, you know what I'm saying? The teardown, and I give it to it, and I and I've said this in spaces, you know, and I, What's I said the example it to, of the, the teardown. Not don't you don't have to name name. Please don't do that. But um, well, like I what, like what did the teardown look like? like? There was a point where we were having a discussion in a group, mm. a multi-ethnic um, group. Yeah. And we were talking about oppression. And I started sharing personal stories of oppression and things like that. And they knew me personally. And then it was the tears that came from them, from one or two people specifically. And... It was the whole, oh my God, you know, like you realize it and now you're upset. And I said, but I can't comfort you because you're upset about what your people have done to me and I'm the one suffering. Check that shit. I'm not going to do that. But what you do after this, after you check yourself and you become vocal and you stand up for things that you know are wrong, I'll respect you for it. But I'm not about to comfort you. Because you said, because of what your people do to me, and I'm the one sitting here suffering. Check that shit. That's that white privilege right here. And that was the teardown. And I, you know, and I'll go a step further and say, I don't have to answer your questions because it's me. Do you want to keep re-traumatizing me? Figure it out. It's not my job to teach you how fucked up you are. When I'm the one receiving the fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So fix that. Yeah. And you know, and it's with our allies, it's as though they don't understand that we understand that. Yeah, you may not have been the immediate oppressor. But you benefiting like hell. But you're the you. subsequent benefactor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between Dynasties that we're trying to build and dynasties that we've built Mm -hmm. for everybody else Mm -hmm. is we don't have time to even cry about not seeing the full magnitude of what we've worked towards and built. Mm -hmm. But we get to have the full weight Mm -hmm. of watching you live in what we've built Mm -hmm. and then cry. While benefacting, benef, ben, being a bit beneficiary to what you for what we've built, mm-hmm. and then you you cry for me while going back. Mm-hmm. Because when we to leave what, here, I'm still the same me. We, yeah, I'm and you get to cry with shit. me. 
No, you ain't. I but ain't you go mad. ahead and you go back and you don't dismantle. That's not the ally that I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. That's where it stops. Yeah. Me. yeah. And that's what I mean. Love, that's where they stop. Love me in public and in private, goddamn. Yes. It. Motherfucker, be vocal. Yeah. Don't love me in the like dark I say, and when we leave, you yes. go out. No, no. I don't accept that at all. Let your, let your marches and your votes and your voice reflect what you really feel. Yeah. When you walking alongside me holding your sign, when you're in conferences with me, amening. Mm-hmm. Don't amen me then bomb my church. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Real talk. And and like I said, the onus is not up to me to make you understand uh-huh. because I'm living it. Once yeah. this meeting is over, I'm gonna walk out of this door and I'm the same person. Nobody will look at you and know that you just had that conversation or that you shed a tear. Mm-hmm. Once, I once can't, this meeting is I over. can't get rid of this. This is who I am. But I love it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade being the person that I am for shit in the world. I know that's maybe right. a mega million ticket. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't even do that. Uh, I, well, I wouldn't change who I am, but I'm, yeah. well, I'm a, you know, I'm, I would, I would accept a mega million ticket. You know, maybe, if, maybe, you know, stop <laughs> how much, having how much on the mega million. Wait, I, I would accept a mega million ticket to stop drinking for six months and stop having sex for a year. I, w- I would. Okay, take now a mega see, but ticket. you could probably, you could probably make that if you the time the 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 yeah. the. the the fervor that's gonna get behind you from yeah. not being able to fuck. Yeah. Ooh. Baby. I don't wanna talk about that today. That's another show. <laughs> Listen, sis, come on, we gotta get out of here. So we got some fun facts about President Biden. I and President I was like, I brought this up like, like a million times. Do, do I would Biden. Like to do a show on celibacy do, with you. Oh my God, I can do that. And I can talk about your challenge to me. Yes. And how I think I succeeded only because of COVID. But you think so? See, no, that's I what I mean. I Y'all, you have faith. I'm just playing with you. It I'm was good. And, and mind you, I gave you the, the right hand. It's so much power in my you, right you hand joke. shake. I'm, it was a joke. It was a joke. Was okay. A joke. Um, I don't. I didn't bring up Biden. Oh, okay. Well, I we brought up Biden. We know Biden. He been around. Let's talk exactly. about Miss Harris, Vice President Harris. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a few facts from um, Political.com, mm-hmm. and it's 55 things you need to know. About uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. How many? And I'm going to start with just 13. This this gets into her career. In 1990, Mm -hmm. after passing a bar, Harris joined the Alameda County Prosecutor's Office in Oakland as an assistant district attorney focusing on sex crimes. Mm. Okay? We don't talk about that enough. She was in there. Come on, sex crimes. Harris's family was initially skeptical of her career choice. While she acknowledged that prosecutors have historically earned a bad reputation, she said she wanted to change the system from the inside. In 94, Harris began dating Willie Brown, a powerhouse in California politics, who was then the Speaker of the State Assembly and was 30 years older than Harris. Mm. (laughs) From his perch in the Assembly, Brown appointed Harris to the California Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board, and the medical assistance commission positions that together paid her around eighty thousand a year on top of a prosecutor's salary. So she was getting bank early. Mm. She made a name for herself, and you know, had a career early on. Um, let's skip now. Let's skip now. Okay. Okay. So she also courted influential friends among San Francisco's moneyed elite. Mm-hmm. 
In 2003, they will provide the financial backing to make her a formidable candidate in her first campaign for office. Okay. And in that office, she ran for district attorney in San Francisco against incumbent Terrence Hallinan, her former boss. Mm -hmm. So she always challenged superiors and said, you know what? I think I could do an even better job than that. Okay. Her message, a top strategist on that campaign, told Political that, quote, we're progressive like Terrence Hillenin, but we're competent like Terrence Hillenin is not. That's what she said. She was elected in a runoff with over 56% of the vote. Uh With her victory, she became the first black woman in California to be elected district attorney. Okay. So that's where we get it. That's where we get it. And from there on, I won't won't bore y'all with anything else, but um, we have what, you know, what we have today. Vice President Harris. And uh, I'll, I'll leave with this, though, to add a little spice to it. One of Harris's most controversial decisions came in 2004 when she declined to pursue the death penalty against the man who murdered San Francisco police officer Isaac Espinoza. Mm-hmm. At the funeral, Senator Dianne Feinstein delivered a eulogy in which she criticized Harris, who was in the audience, prompting a standing ovation from the hundreds of officers in attendance. Wow. So while we talk about her prosecution of black men... We seldom talk about this event where she stood against police yeah, and said, you know, I just, I don't agree with this and got booed and got all the things that you tend to do when you go against powers that be. So she yeah. has all these intersectionalities and all these nuances that leaders have. Yeah. So she's been on the side where people have rooted for her. And she's been on the side with people boo for her. Yeah. And that's the polarity that you have to be willing, willing to go through when you are a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that I do know is, and I know, you know, that's a very high office. And I hope that, you know, because I didn't get off, I didn't read everything about her. I heard some things. Yeah. Um, I hope that even Joe... Some of the wrongs will be righted. Yes. Um, people change. I hope that the changes that needed to be made have been made. Mm-hmm. And I hope that um, this country can heal and try to get on track. I ain't going to say back on track. <laughs> try to get on track into how we need to be. Um, but, you know, they're here. Congratulations to him. Congratulations. But what I will say for everybody, don't get comfortable. You still got to work. You still need to vote on all levels of government. Mm -hmm. You still have to be just as involved as you are now. I don't give a shit if that was handing out donuts. Mm -hmm. I don't care if that means when one of your activist friends called that they need an ear. Mm -hmm. God damn it. Figure it out. Stay involved and figure out what your party is. Because we all have to have a part. That's right. And so, that is the end of the Cat's Meow today. A really long episode. I think Sis and I combined two or three episodes. <laughs> but you know what? This is what we said. We wanted people to get involved in, in yeah. our friendship, in our dialogues. Absolutely. 
And this is what we do. You know, we challenge each other. And this is a prime example, people, of what we talked about in episode one. Yes. Of... It is okay to have different viewpoints. That's right. It is okay. That's what makes the world. We, I don't want if if we if we can't be friends that challenge each other, baby. I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it. You know, but that's what makes the world beautiful, and yes. and that's that's why we are who we are. And I know that I could talk to you about any and everything. Absolutely. And it's okay. Right. And hell, sometimes we gonna agree at the end. Sometimes we not. But this more is still, often than not we do. Yeah, more often than yeah. not we do. This is still my. Fr- I think with you sometimes you need to hear me say keywords. <laughs> <laughs> that might be. I don't know. I think it's more. It's this need for me. No, you know what it's more for me. I need. Um, you need. Me I notice this okay. about people. Mm-hmm. I need to know in the end. You know your power. I find myself oh, doing yeah. that a lot. Yeah, you will push it out. I. That's what I need. Mm-hmm. I'm just. I came to that a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I, I've been telling people, they throw these positive accolades at me, and I say, you you got your own power. Mm-hmm. I need to know that you know your power. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. For people that you love, I will say you hold us accountable for that, and I appreciate it. And yeah, shit, know, y'all hold you, me accountable, too. Yeah, you know. you Ain't nobody going to slip by they ride, ride rolling <laughs> with you. You know, we... <laughs> We good here, and that's the beauty of our friendship, and that's the beauty of our relationship, yes. and and that's why it just became organic because we can have those conversations and still feel revived, refreshed, yeah. and okay. And it's okay to have those different viewpoints. You need to. You got to. You need to. You may have learn those something. different viewpoints. You may learn something. I, you know, I say this all the time. If you can't be allowed. To have your own point of view. Mm-hmm. Am I really your friend? That's true. Do I really love you? That's true. In your entirety? That's true. That's it. That's That's I ain't going to draw too much on them. You cool. <laughs> All right, everybody. So thank you for tuning in to the Cast Me Out with me and, and the amazing Deidre D.S. Smith. Thanks and for having we'll, us, y'all. Yeah. We'll tune in next time. Be on the lookout. And uh, be safe, everybody, and and stay involved. Y'all have a great day. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.